Hi there, it's Mr. Marshall again from Abbey Multi-Academy Trust. Today, I'm sharing an excerpt from The Hobbit by J.R.R. Tolkien. This was a book that, again, I uh, I did in primary school as part of a book club um, when I was in year six. Um, this was uh, one of my favourite stories to have read by my teacher at the time. And this chapter is one that has always sort of stuck in my memory um it's it's called riddles in the dark and it's when bilbo baggins first meets Gollum, and they have a competition where they try and solve different riddles to see who takes ownership of of the ring that um you later learn a lot more about in in the lord of the rings so this is chapter five from the hobbit Riddles in the Dark. When Bilbo opened his eyes, he wondered if he had, for it was just as dark as with them shut. No one was anywhere near him. Just imagine his fright. He could hear nothing, see nothing, and he could feel nothing except the stone of the floor. Very slowly, he got up and groped about on all fours till he touched the wall of the tunnel, but neither up nor down it could he find anything. Nothing at all. No sign of goblins, no sign of dwarves. His head was swimming, and he was far from certain even of the direction they had been going in when he had his fall. He guessed as well as he could, and crawled along for a good way, till suddenly his hand met what felt like a tiny ring of cold metal laying on the floor of the tunnel. It was a turning point in his career, but he did not know it. He put the ring in his pocket almost without thinking. Certainly it did not seem of any particular use at the moment. He did not go much further, but sat down on the cold floor and gave himself up to, to the complete miserableness for a long while. He thought of himself frying bacon and eggs in his own kitchen at home, for he could feel inside that it was high time for some meal or other, and that only made him miserable. He could not think of what to do, nor could he think what had happened, or why he had been left behind, or why, if he had been left behind, the goblins had not caught him, or even why his head was sore. The truth was, he had been lying quiet, out of sight and out of mind, in a very dark corner for a long while. After some time, he felt for his pipe. It was not broken, and that was something. Then he felt for his pouch, and there was some tobacco in it, and that was something more. Then he felt for matches, and he could not find any at all, and that shattered his hopes completely. Just as well for him, as he agreed when he came to his senses. Goodness knows what the striking of matches and the smell of tobacco would have brought on him out of the dark holes in that horrible place. Still, at the moment he felt very crushed. But in slapping all his pockets and feeling all round himself for matches, his hand came on the hilt of his little sword. The little dagger that he had got from the trolls, and that he had quite forgotten. Nor do the goblins seem to have noticed it, as he wore it inside his breeches. Now he drew it out. It shone pale and dim before his eyes. So it's an elvish blade too, he thought. Goblins are not very near, and yet not far enough. But somehow he was comforted. It was rather splendid to be wearing a blade made in Gondolin for the Goblin Wars, of which so many songs had sung. And also, 
he had noticed that such weapons made a great impression on goblins that came upon them suddenly. Go back, he thought. No good at all. Go sideways? Impossible. Go forward? Only thing to do. On we go. So, up he got and trotted along with his little sword held in front of him, one hand feeling the wall, his heart all a patter and a petter. Now, certainly Bilbo was in what he called a tight place, but you must remember, it was not quite so tight for him as it would have been for me or for you. Hobbits are not quite like ordinary people, and, after all, if their halls are nice cheery places and properly aired, quite different from the tunnels of the Goblins, still... They are more used to tunnelling than we are, and they do not easily lose their sense of direction underground, not when their heads are recovered from being bumped. Also, they can move very quietly, and hide easily, and recover wonderfully from falls and bruises, and they have a fund of wisdom and wise sayings that men have mostly never heard or have forgotten long ago. I should not have liked to have been in Mr Baggins's place all the same. The tunnels seemed to have no end. All he knew was that it was still going down pretty steadily and keeping in the same direction in spite of a twist and turn or two. There were passages leading off to the side every now and then, as he knew by the glimmer of his sword or could feel with his hand on the wall. Of these he took no notice, except to hurry past for fear of goblins or half-imagined dark things coming out of them. On and on he went, and down and down, and still he heard no sound of anything except the occasional whir of a bat by his ear which startled him at first, till it became too frequent to bother about. I do not know how long he kept on like this, hating to go on, not daring to stop, on, on, until he was tireder than tired. It seemed like all the way to tomorrow and over it to the days beyond. Suddenly, without any warning, he trotted splash into water. Ugh! It was icy cold. That pulled him up sharp and short. He did not know whether it was just a pool in the path or the edge of an underground stream that crossed the passage, or the brink of a deep, dark subterranean lake. The sword was hardly shining at all. He stopped, and he could hear when he listened hard, drops drip, drip, dripping from an unseen roof into the water below. But there seemed no other sort of sound. So it is a pool or a lake, and not an underground river, he thought. Still, he did not dare to wade into the darkness, he could not swim, and he thought, too, of nasty slimy things with big bulging blind eyes wriggling in the water. There are strange things living in the pools and lakes in the hearts of mountains. Fish whose father swam in, and goodness only knows how many years ago, never swam out again, while their eyes grew bigger and bigger and bigger from trying to see in the blackness. Also, there are other things more slimy than fish. Even in the tunnels and caves the goblins have made for themselves, there are other things living unbeknown to them and that have sneaked in from outside to lie up in the dark. Some of these caves, too, go back in their beginnings to ages before the goblins, who only widened them and joined them up with passages, and the original owners are still there in odd comas slinking and nosing about. Deep down here by the dark water lived old Gollum, a small slimy creature, I don't know where he came from, nor who or what he was. He was Gollum, as dark as darkness except for two big round pale eyes in his thin face. He had a little boat and he rowed about quite quietly on the lake. 
for lake it was, wide and deep and deadly cold. He paddled it with large feet dangling over the side, but never a ripple did he make, not he. He was looking out of his pale, lamp-like eyes for blind fish, which he grabbed with his long fingers as quick as thinking. He liked meat too. Goblin, he thought, good, when he could get it. But he took care they never found him. He just throttled them from behind. If they ever came down alone anywhere near the edge of the water while he was prowling about. They very seldom did, for they had a feeling that something unpleasant was lurking down there, down at the very roots of the mountain. They had come on the lake when they were tunnelling down long ago, and they found they could go no further, so there their road ended in that direction, and there was no reason to go that way, unless the great goblin sent them. Sometimes he took a fancy for fish from the lake, and sometimes neither goblin nor fish came back. Actually, Gollum lived on a slimy island of rock in the middle of the lake. He was watching Bilbo now from the distance with his pale eyes like telescopes. Bilbo could not see him, but he was wondering a lot about Bilbo, for he could see that he was no goblin at all. Gollum got into his boat and shot off from the island, while Bilbo was sitting on the brink altogether flummoxed and at the end of his way and his wits. Suddenly, up came Gollum and whispered and hissed, Bless us and splash us, my precious. I guess it's a choice feast, at least a tasty morsel I'd make us, Gollum. And when he said Gollum, he made a horrible swallowing noise in his throat. That is how he got his name though he always called himself my precious. The hobbit jumped nearly out of his skin when the hiss came in his ears, and he suddenly saw the pale eyes sticking out at him. Who are you? He said, thrusting his dagger in front of him. What is he, my precious? whispered Gollum, who always spoke to himself through never having anyone else to speak to. This is what he had come to find out, for he was not really very hungry at the moment, only curious. Otherwise, he would have grabbed first and whispered afterwards. I am Mr. Bilbo Baggins. I have lost dwarves and I have lost the wizard, and I don't know where I am. And I don't want to know, if only I can get away. What's he got in his hands? said Gollum, looking at the sword, which he did not quite like. A sword, a blade which came out of Gondolin. said Gollum and became quite polite. Perhaps... You sits here and chats with it, Bitsy, my precious. It likes riddles, perhaps it does, does it? He was anxious to appear friendly at any rate for the moment, and until he found out more about the sword and the hobbit, whether he was quite alone really, whether he was good to eat, and whether Gollum was really hungry. Riddles were the only thing he could think of, asking them and sometimes guessing them, had been the only game he had ever played with other funny creatures sitting in their holes in the long, long ago before he lost all his friends and was driven away, alone, and crept down, down into the dark, under the mountains. Very well, said Bilbo, who was anxious to agree, until he found out more about the creature, whether he was quite alone, whether he was fierce or hungry, and whether he was a friend of the goblins. You asked first, he said, because he had not had time to think of a riddle. So Gollum hissed. 
What has roots that nobody sees is taller than trees. Up, up it goes and yet never grows. Easy, said Bilbo. Mountain, I suppose. Does it guess easy? It must have been competition with us, my precious. If precious asks and doesn't answer, we eats it, my precious. If it asks us and we don't doesn't answer, then we does what it wants, eh? We shows it the way out, yes. All right, said Bilbo, not daring to disagree, and nearly bursting his brain to think of riddles that could save him from being eaten. Thirty white horses on a red hill. First they champ, then they stamp, then they stand still. So I'm going to stop reading there and not tell you the answer, but can you work out what the answer to that riddle is? 30 white horses on a red hill. First they champ, then they stamp, then they stand still. <laughs>